Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. On today's show, Joker had another huge weekend at the box office. Then we've got a trailer for a new Robert Downey Jr. movie. It's Doolittle. And then Martin Scorsese is still taking digs at Marvel. We're going to discuss it on today's show. Happy Monday, everyone. Hope you all had a wonderful weekend. We've got a great show planned for you today with John Roca and Eric Eisenberg. But as always, we kick things off with the call sheet, and we've got quite the lineup here. Of course, it is Monday, so we got to begin with the box office report. And it was a huge, huge weekend, too, for Joker. It only dropped 43%, which means it made another $55 million. As for our two newcomers, we had a winner and a loser. The Adams family took the two spot with a very solid $30 million, but then Gemini Man could only snag $20.5 million, which is a fairly rough go considering the film's reported $138 million production budget. Now, moving over to that Martin Scorsese story yet again. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Scorsese echoed his previous comments about Marvel movies during a press conference for The Irishman. Here's what he said. It's not cinema. It's something else. We shouldn't be invaded by it. We need cinemas to step up and show films that are narrative films. Theaters have become amusement parks. That is all fine and good, but don't invade everything else in that sense. That is fine and good for those who enjoy that type of film. And by the way, knowing what goes into them now, I admire what they do. It's not my kind of thing. It simply is not. It's creating another kind of audience that thinks cinema is that. 
Moving on over to uh, some form of cinema, we've got a trailer for Doolittle starring Robert Downey Jr. So this movie is being described as a reimagining of the classic story and will tell the tale of a physician and a veterinarian living in Victorian England who discovers he can talk to animals. Stay tuned for the panel's thoughts on this one. All right, moving on over to our next story today. We're highlighting a Collider.com feature because we're about halfway through October already. So I hope you have your horror movie lists and you're chipping away at them. But if you need a little bit of help adding to those lists, Collider.com has you covered. There is a whole bunch of horror movie content up on the site right now. But what we want to highlight is one called the best Halloween movie streaming on Netflix right now. We've got a link to that article in the description section of this video. So check it out after the show. We need to wrap up today's call sheet on a very sad note because actor Robert Forster died on Friday at the age of 78 following a battle with brain cancer. Forster began his career in 1967, Reflections in a Gold. Goldeneye, starring opposite Elizabeth Taylor and Marlon Brando. Later on, he made a star turn in Quentin Tarantino's 1997 crime film, Jackie Brown, which earned him a Best Supporting Actor nomination. His over 200 credits include recent memorable roles on television, which include Twin Peaks, The Return, and Breaking Bad, playing Ed the Vacuum Salesman. He even reprised that role for El Camino, which debuted on Netflix the morning of his passing. Our deepest condolences to Forster's friends, family, and fans. All right, before we move into our panels for the day, we've got a little clip for you from El Camino. Steve sat down with Aaron Paul. Check out this clip. Even though Vince is a genius, yeah. like he's a, he's a god, a genius. He but is a god. You're right. Like at any point, though, were you saying to him, you know, the finale's kind of amazing. Do we want to play with this at all? Or were you sort of like, he's going to get this? I had no doubt in my mind that he would nail it. No doubt. And I'm with you. I think it is so hard to nail a landing um, when ending a series, Uh, especially a very popular one like Breaking Bad, because everyone is so um, connected and passionate about it, but they also don't want to say goodbye. And they're like, if you're going to say goodbye, you better do it perfectly. And I think Vince and the writers really nailed the landing. Were there a lot of deleted scenes in the movie? Do you remember? Or is it very close to what you shot? You know what? Um, about about 30% of the movie was cut. Really? Yeah. Um, the original uh, cut was about thir- three hours. Yeah. I know. That's what I said. To, that's what I said to him when I first saw it. I was like, ah, this is so beautiful, but... Where's the other part of the movie? You know, and um, he's like, I don't want to bore people. I go, Vince, people want more. Like, more is more in this situation. So maybe down the road there'll be a, you know, another another cut. But uh, with that said, I think what what we have is 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 great. Um, it's great. I, I might literally great. my heart hurts. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, well, there's another cut out there, so maybe you know I can convince him to release it. All right, guys, time to roll into today's panel. So I have to in- introduce my panelists right now. Eric Eisenberg, John Roca. Hi. Oh, hello. How you doing? Fantastic. How was your weekend? Great. Did this you see anything uh, that you're I allowed to s- talk about? 
No. <laughs> okay. In fact, everything is under embargo right now. I caught so, myself yes. after I asked that question. Yeah. <laughs> How's life, Roka? It's good. I've uh, got a new record player, so I'm pretty much consumed by that. Buying records left and right, turning in my making my girlfriend crazy, worrying about our finances. But I'm enjoying it, putting on nice uh, Bluetooth headphones and chilling out and enjoying some uh, uh, records. This is a great. I'm 15 again. It's great. I love <laughs> it. That was like a whole bunch of product placement yeah, right man. there. But I didn't mention any brands. All there right. That's nice. fair. That's fair. Except the big... Dunkin' Donuts cup. Hello. Yeah, oh, this is right good there. iced tea. <laughs> All right. Let's roll into my favorite segment of the entire week. It is the box office. So big weekend at the box office for, uh, for I would say, three movies that I believe we're going to discuss right now. Sure. So I will just throw it out there to you guys. And whoever wants to jump in first, feel free. Of everything in the box office this weekend, what stuck out to you the most? I mean, we talked about this last week, right, Perry? This idea of how many people are going to go back and see Joker again. You even said you're going to go back. So, and like these are, this is wow, incredible what it has done. And re- once again, you got to go back and remember when people were like, I don't even know if this movie's even going to happen. I don't believe this movie's going to happen. There were rumors about Scorsese being involved at the beginning, but this has been an incredible gamble by Warner Brothers that has really worked out for them. As much as you might say Black Panther or Logan or whatever, this is the film that's come out and really been argued about as either overblown or a masterpiece. And this is what you want to push, again, the genre of superhero films forward. The fact that people are responding to go back to a second weekend where the drop-off is so much less than a lot of the box office prognosticators thought it would be speaks to the power of the film. I mean, half a billion worldwide already for an origin movie, a gritty, dirty, ugly, brutal origin movie about a villain is incredible. So clearly, they did something right with this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will also just add, like, it's not, not only is it dark, gritty, and, like, yeah. dramatic, but, like, it's not a big action movie. Yes. It has, like, no slow dance sequences. Yeah. Like, and, again, this yeah. is a movie that's made $500 million. Like, that's crazy. Like, yeah. that doesn't happen in today's box office environment. Also, the irony is this, right? They're saying, oh, the you know, superhero movies are killing these smaller independent films. This is literally a smaller independent film about well. a well-known <laughs> subject, but for $50 million, it's pretty incredible the way it's walked the line and, and kind of put its foot in both camps. Mm-hmm. It's a mid-range studio film. Yeah, it's definitely not independent. independent but well, in comparison to some of the budgets, but yeah, I hear you. Um, I was actually on the high end with my predictions for Joker mm. and I still wasn't anywhere close. <laughs> that That is an extremely low drop for mm. a movie that made as much as it did weekend one. Yeah. The question I have for you guys though is how long is this going to continue? Because I don't think we have like the hottest lineup of things coming mm. up through the rest of October, but you know, Maleficent is expected to make a pretty penny there, so yeah. do you guys think that this trend is going to continue, or are we going to see a bigger drop next weekend? Well, I think what it is, is like, and the reason partially why this has happened is, mm. I mean, kind of to your point, which is that the reactions to this movie have been so extreme yeah. that people kind of just want to see it so that they can have their own opinion on it, so they can go to that water cooler on Monday and say, okay, I saw Joker, now I can talk about it, in that sense, like now we are at a point where most people probably have seen this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. the movie's made, almost made $200 million domestically, yeah. not to mention 500 uh, international. So I do wonder if it is going to, how it's going to do this next weekend. That being said, like, uh, Maleficent 2 and Zombieland 2 are the big movies out this weekend. And that's not necessarily going to steal, I feel like, the core audience of this film. And also, I mean, like, yes, it's very, been very divisive, mm. but also a lot of people are really loving it. Yeah. So yeah. I think that there, that is going to generate, like, return visits. I do have a feeling that the need to see it again is going to kick in, too. I, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to go as low as 40-something percent, especially low 40s next mm-hmm. weekend, but yeah. I still think it's going to maintain pretty well. But speaking of movies that are sparking a whole 
whole lot of conversation yeah, sure. and are becoming absolute must-sees. We got to talk about Parasite. What would you think of that one, Saul? Uh, I, it's amazing. I mean, like, it didn't make the top ten. It was 13th place. However, it was in three, three theaters. Uh, and it made a grand total of $376,264 average per theater, which is a record. It is remarkable. I'm, I'm sorry. So that's 125423 It made 376000 But still, like, $125,000 per theater from three theaters that's ridiculous that doesn't happen like that is crazy and and like and this is a movie that has been gaining a ton of buzz since it uh, won the palm d'or at Cannes, and so like this has been generating a lot of conversation and of course bong joon ho is Mm -hmm. just a remarkable filmmaker who has starting to gain an interesting following so i mean it's both surprising and not surprising at the same time i really hope neon looks at these numbers and decides to you know maybe even expand further than they were planning on they're having an incredible year i mean i don't necessarily know if it's uh, other than Parasite, if you could see it in the box office returns, mm-hmm. but when you think about the movies that they released between uh, Loose, Wild Rose, and now this, they're one of the most exciting distributors I can see out there, and I just hope that they, you know, they mount quite the campaign for this because, yes, only three theaters, but Mm -hmm. this narrative here, this is where you start an award season campaign. This is a great story, and it Mm -hmm. could create a whole lot of urgency to go see this movie in the coming weeks. Yeah, I think it should be nominated for Best Picture. Absolutely. I mean, just having seen it twice now, it's kind of an incredible film that speaks about class issues, uh, poverty issues, the eating the rich, kind of some of the themes that are in Joker as well. So very interesting to see it being explored in Way. And it's a Korean, it's so Korean, like it's co- provincially Korean, right? And so, but the themes are universal. And that's the gift that Bong Joon Ho has with his movies. And I find this to be another one that don't give it just the foreign language thing, give it yeah. the yeah. legitimate best picture. If you're going to start talking about being a more diverse, uh, younger uh, uh, voting body, you've also got to open your minds to being a more global voting body as well. And when these feels Films creep over into the states, and they get such a great response on only three theaters, like you said, Barry. That speaks volumes about its power. I mean, and also, I think just that Roma last year, I think, opened yeah. the door in Roma. a huge way. Yeah. Like, yeah. Last year, there was a huge conversation because I mean, it wasn't the first foreign language film to be mm. nominated for Best Picture, but it certainly is the it was the first in a long time, and it did make a lot of waves and I think yeah. it will kind of open doors for Parasite in a lot of ways but this is different because Spanish is, Spanish is so close to all sure. our like Korean is like all the way over here so that would speak volumes as well to make that decision it's I such think. a complicated conversation because it's like the way we talk about it it's mm-hmm. like these are the best foreign films and then the best picture options are above it which yeah. it's, not fair. It's, not, yeah. it's, it's not fair it's not really the case but like you have two different categories I don't know but you know it goes back to everybody out there being human beings when they vote and <laughs> Sometimes maybe the mentality could be mm. if I'm going to vote for it in this category, then I'm not going to give it again in this category. I'll right. give that honor to something new. But, love, right? you know, I just I kind of want to see Parasite be the the talk of the town going Definitely. through award season right now. That's another one that I can't wait to see again. Yeah. Um, then we have to look at the flip side of the box office oh. uh, this weekend because, oh, poor Gemini Man. Adam's <laughs> family wound up exceeding expectations. Yeah. But uh, Gemini Man underperformed a little. And. Not by all that much as far as, you know, studio expectations went. It's just when you throw in how much it costs to actually make that movie, it was a pretty big bust. Did you guys see it coming? Uh, kind of, sort of. I mean, like, it, it, it is, I mean, it's also interesting just to think of, like, it's a 138 
reported budget, but that's not also including the 22 years of development mm. that it went through. Not spent. I mean, like, and this is it was, this is a movie that should like. I think Paramount was looking at this movie and saying like this has all the makings of a big screen event. I mean, it has Will Smith. It has bombastic visual effects. It's trying something new. And, I mean, I think part of the problem is just that, like, I mean, the movie isn't very good. That, yeah. I mean, that, like, isn't, that obviously doesn't help anything. But I just, I mean, I, I, I was personally interested in HFR. I actually do think that it lends the movie an interesting look, and I think it's just interesting from a technology perspective. But, I mean, as we saw with The Hobbit, it's not an easy thing to sell to yeah. an audience, or, I mean, with Billy Lynn, for that matter, as well. And so I can't say I'm overly shocked by this, but at the same time, I am. So do you, you think know, the high frame it. rate at all gave viewers out there pause it's like what if we got a double will smith movie but you didn't yeah. add that tech advancement well to i, th- I think i mean part of it is that I, I think i even read reports that said that like the, most theaters were exactly, actually yeah. equipped to even show it in yeah. high frame rate so i mean that's kind of a flaw flub by itself but i mean but yeah i i do think that i mean there was some expectation i mean not only with hfr but also the advanced digital visual effects that create a young Will Smith, I thought there, that was going to maybe... Gen- Paramount certainly thought that was going to generate more interest among audience, but turns out, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is... I mean, when I saw it, I'm like, I like this stuff. The higher end the technology I'm into, I have it on my television as well, the 120. I watch... I love it. I know some people don't like it. Obviously, we saw that video from McQuarrie and Cruz and all those people You want to tell everybody how big your TV is, don't you? No, no, I'm just saying, <laughs> I like that technology. I love it, and I want to push back against these traditionalists who don't like their movies looking that way. I enjoyed it, so I'm glad to hear Eric likes it as well. Uh, but I don't think that's what like kept people from coming. I think it was more that Will doesn't open films anymore, and something like this is an original content. He doesn't own films the way he used to, and right? Because, yeah, you can't like give him Aladdin. Yeah, just because it's Aladdin. Aladdin, right, yeah, yeah, Aladdin's already name recognition. Suicide Squad already name recognition. That's more of an ensemble piece, right? Right. This is Will Smith on his own, carrying from two Will Smiths, no less. You should get right. double the bang for your box office buck, but it still wasn't enough. And I also think the reviews kind of hurt it. They weren't that strong for it as well because people love Will Smith as a person sure. they want to go patronize his movies also, but it's where Elizabeth Winstead is also wonderful yeah, so, Mary's, yeah. yeah she's fantastic <laughs> why don't you put her in the Birds of Prey trailer just a suggestion <laughs> uh, those kinds of things are positive for Gemini Man and Ang Lee has such a great name as well amongst a lot of people who love movies but unfortunately the combo really didn't work and I wonder about Ang Lee coming at us because Billy's long halftime walk wasn't that good either so you start to have questions about where the next big hit film for Ang Lee is going to be either artistically or commercially when that's coming but Will Will's going to be fine it's just a shame that this didn't quite a step because the story is terrible the graphics the video visuals are amazing and please more of that but the story itself it just wasn't good That's okay. why I think it didn't fail. That's why I'm going to turn this into a Gemini Man review just because <laughs> I'm, I'm so tempted by this uh, panel transition I have right mm, now. Sure. Going from one big expense that turned into a flop <laughs> to potentially another right yeah. now. Let's talk about this Doolittle trailer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I, like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know where to start. I no. can't quite figure out at what point. So, like, I understand. I mean, again, we're talking about name recognition here. Mm, and, yes, Robert Downey Jr. has it. But I think we were talking about this on a previous movie talk that just because you're a super hot name in general, but also because you're super hot because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, doesn't necessarily translate to a hit. We mm. just had Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth lead a Men in Black movie yep. that, yes, wasn't that good, but also was a pretty big failure. Right. 
this this feels like that all over again. I just don't understand when something is so expensive as this movie is, how someone along the way of all the tons of people who have to work on a film to make the thing happen, how did no one express concern or decide to push the pause button or give up? <laughs> just say, like, wait, let's think wait, about what yeah. we're doing here. Mm. Honestly, the thing with this trailer for me is just, like, the tone confused the hell out of me. Like, it's just like, this is supposed to be, like, a silly movie where a guy, like, a doctor talks to animals and like it's painting it as this giant huge epic and like and just like and they have that like slow song and i'm just like ah, this is odd yeah this just doesn't work it like, also it's just, looks yeah. so dated those yeah. effects they, they they're not mm-hmm. they're not good no those animals just don't look real they, no yeah, they look like, like that what? ostrich behind you smiling <laughs> at you like that doesn't oh, the look poster, real i can't even get into yeah no it's <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough because I really you have to look at Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, choices. Sure, outside of the MCU, and they haven't really all worked out financially, right? And well, I think of, this is his first live. Act. I think this is well, first non MCU movie since The Judge. You got which, what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. Those are the things you have to make because yeah. obviously Sherlock Holmes is a franchise itself, and MCU is a franchise. But these choices he seems to be making are really interesting in terms of the fact that they don't look like they work out that well for him. And this is another one to throw in there. And I'm so confused. I was so confused when Stephen Gagan took this. Am I saying that right, Gagan? Yes, I think that's right. Then he <laughs> took this film because I really like his work on Syriana that is a film I champion all the time as a writer he wrote that film and I enjoyed Gold I really thought McConaughey was fantastic and Bryce Dallas Howard as well in Gold but this seems like such a lightweight cotton candy film for him to do his more serious sensibilities get lost in this and you're right Eric the tone is so imbalanced you don't know what you're supposed to be going for it feels like it feels like a, a bunch of people saw Golden Compass and thought hey let's make a subversion of that and it really just doesn't look that interesting and why would you use uh, uh, What a Wonderful World when if I could talk to the animals is the song from the Dr. Doolittle movie why not do a slow version of that a slow creepy version of that then a slow creepy version of What a Wonderful World all of it just doesn't make sense and what's the story I've no idea what the story is, so, except that we're going on some adventure. Wait, wait. I purposely wrote down the story because you get none of it from the trailer. Oh, yeah. So it says, upon discovering his gift, the good Dr. Doolittle sets out to use his power for good in order to search... Oh, I'm sorry. Now I, I'm going to laugh. Um, order to search all over the world for a cure to help a young Queen Victoria recover from a serious illness while also oh, trying God. to keep his ability to talk to animals under wraps. That's none of so that is in much. the movie. That's- none of that is in the trailer, rather. None of that is in the trailer. No. And, you know, I, I want to mention this because we talked about it off camera. Those, uh, it's been going over all over Twitter, these four comment threads uh, that was uh, uh, copied and uh, put up there talking from one of the people involved in the post-production about working with Gagan, or in the production, rather, about working with Gagan and some of the stuff they tried to stop him from doing and some of the mistakes. I don't know how much of that is true. You never know what people's agenda are with this stuff, but if you read it, it makes you feel even more uncomfortable. But someone else pushed back and said that there were issues with the Rex Harrison Dr. Doolittle back in the 60s as well. So this is continuing a curse cycle of that. Yeah, that happens with these Doolittle movies. Which is understandable in a sense because making a movie about someone who can talk to animals, it's a challenge. And, you know, even going back to the very beginning, it's like years ago, if you had said to me, how about a Dr. Doolittle with Robert Downey Jr. in the title role? I would have been like, like, yeah, Yeah. that's got all the potential in the world. But I think it is just so clear that there was a a hiccup or something along the way. And it was... Um. 
it, it just did not serve it well, maybe no. particularly in the post-production mm. department. But, I mean, the truth of the matter is this movie is coming, no matter what we say about it right, right yeah, now. Yeah. And it's got that January 17th, 2020 release date. <laughs> Always uh, prime stuff coming out in January, too. I mean, so, dude, yeah. I... If it's, if it's a dumping zone or not, I mean, there still is the chance to make money in January. Sure. We've seen it. I yeah. mean, maybe not with movies like this. I'm thinking about, you know, something like, like Split, like Split or, yeah, or yeah. maybe even Get Out at the beginning of February. But do you see this as making any mo- any money whatsoever, especially with a voice cast that includes Tom Holland, Rami Malek, Octavia Spencer, Kumail Nagiani, Marion Cotillard, and more? Who, by the way, are also not at all represented, really, in yeah. this. I feel like you There's get one actually person, one talking, one talking to get the tiger. Yeah talking and there's no other talking animals really you're just well like, there's the parrot going okay there's go. a parrot yeah and but like it. but again this is you have this voice cast like yeah. use them <laughs> like show it show them off like I, I mean it is clearly going to be the robert Downey jr show but yeah i mean like i think that is a thing that i mean we live in an age where we have kind of moved past these star-centric projects yeah. and have moved into brand-centric projects and so like yes robert Downey jr can whenever he shows up as iron man is going to make a ton of money yeah, yeah. but Robert Downey Jr. by himself, maybe not so much. I mean, there's so many, like you mentioned, Perry, there's so many, it was like three frames of people at the end of the trailer, and you're like, yeah. wait, they're in it? They're in it? You shouldn't be like, no, you should want the joy of picking out the voices as you're watching, which scares me as a first trailer, right? Because you're just like, okay, why aren't they focusing on the voices? Why aren't they? It's maybe because it's not done yet. It's not like <laughs> all totally set up yet. So you wonder, Do and you ask, do, will it make money? I think the second trailer, if they come out with a more family-friendly, wholesome, interesting, fun trailer, then you think, oh, you bring the kids to this, it'll be fine. But this is not the way, this is not a good first trailer no. to, uh, to make you think it's going to make any money. When does the new Jumanji movie come out? Uh, December? December, yeah, or December yeah. 13th. Right. I feel like if that has the run that the first one did, oh, and also now, now that I'm, yeah. look, now that I'm looking Good at point. the release schedule too, it's like, I wonder if Cats and this are going to be similar no. in like the urgency that comes with some morbid curiosity. <laughs> Maybe it's like the, the opposite side of the Joker thing, where it's just like you have to see it just to be part of the conversation. So, so I wonder I'm if that so might work scared. in its favor, but well, I mean, we've got a pretty loaded January of 2020 going from, you know, the grudge to the informer like a boss my spy underwater then the weekend this comes out it's this I don't know what the last full measure is I have to look that up but Bad Boys for Life is also oh. that, oh, that no. weekend <laughs> the next weekend is the gentleman run the turning then it's Hansel then it's Gretel and Hansel and the rhythm section so I mean that's that's a lot of new wide releases mm. for a month so yeah. as though this trailer hadn't doomed it already right. I, I have a feeling this I kind of just, just sets it in put out a Minor gripe, but this is just something that bothers mm. me on a regular basis. But this movie is also originally called The Voyage of Doctor Doolittle, yeah. which I also think is like an infinitely better title. I agree. Because like I feel like movie titles gotten so boring, especially ones that just rely on a single name. Mm. So I mean, like I mean, the, the ones that just immediately like. Clint Eastwood has done it a few times, but like Richard Jewell coming out later this year. Mm-hmm. You can't come up with a better title for that story than Richard Jewell? Do you want Richard Jewell colon something? I'll, I mean, the persecution I'll, I'll, I'll of an literally innocent. anything. The point is, is just like, I, I, I be more bold with yeah. titles. Like, I'm so, like, we've gotten into this rut where it's just, I mean, it's partially because of the brand recognition that you feel, it's almost like SEO. You mm. almost just have to kind of push it out there so people know what oh, it God. is. But like, why is James Bond the only franchise that can get away with just a random title that you just throw out there? That, that's stupid. 
that's dumb. So yes, I think we should fix that and maybe even fix this title back. Oh, well, even the voyage thing would suit the content of the trail. Yeah, exactly. yeah. at least it would so give you a sense of what it's about. Yeah, also, yeah. it's <laughs> worth considering. You yeah. know what? We have even better promos than this for our own content. So you're going to watch these promos right now, and you're going to know exactly what they're for. Check them out. Hey everyone, John Roca here, the host of Collider Sports Time. Well, you know, if you've been watching us every week, you know we break down the latest and the greatest in the world of sports, talk about the big issues, the big games, all of it with a rotating band of guests like Matt Nose and Josh McCuga. We've had Taylor Vashadi on. We've had so many great guests. Now, if you want to see more of Sports Time or you want to try it out for the first time, remember to subscribe to Collider Sports YouTube channel for all the sports goodness. Hey guys, Riley here, and let me tell you about Rule of Two. You looking for a Star Wars fix? Well, Rule of Two is that show. It drops on Collider Video's main YouTube channel, as well as on Podcast One's Jedi Council feed. So go over there, subscribe, share it with your friends. It's hosted by myself and Mark Fernandez. We talk everything in the Star Wars universe with a lot of deep dives and a lot of conversations that go all in. You know what to do. Subscribe, join us there, and rise. All right, time for panel number three, and it is revisiting the Martin Scorsese Marvel quotes, Uh, not necessarily because we feel like doing it in this very moment, but more so because he's still, he's still digging at the MCU, and uh, I don't know, like, I am having a hard time understanding why, just like, let it lie, regardless of how you feel about his quotes, it's like, enough is enough already, Uh, what do you guys think of this new round of uh, MCU comments here? bums me out like there's no other way to put it is that I found it really depressing just because I have infinite respect for Mm -hmm. Martin Scorsese he's one of the greatest filmmakers of all time that's a completely unchallenged statement because nobody (laughs) could argue otherwise but to say that cinema isn't cinema is maybe one of the most insulting things you could say to a filmmaker. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I just, I mean, like, the comment, the, the, I mean, this was for the original comment, but, like, I feel like James Gunn's response was really kind of summed it all mm-hmm. up, which is to say that, like, he was out there supporting Last Temptation of Christ when there were so many people that were, like, railing against this movie despite not having seen it. Mm-hmm. And he, and James Gunn is a very devout Christian who went to go see this movie because of, out of respect for what it had to say and obviously the filmmaker saying it and but he went to go and he went to go see it to have an opinion on it and the fact that like martin scorsese would just completely dismiss an entire genre of popular filmmaking and call it uh an amusement park or a roller coaster or whatever is just like that's not fair that's just not fair and i don't know how to like put it any other way i'm also not quite understanding the whole narrative angle of it because Uh the mcu movies all are narrative films, films. Yeah. they have a story to tell and I would argue many of them if not all of them actually do have rich thoughtful character journeys but yeah I think I'm I'm kind of in line with what you just said and also with uh, what James Gunn has brought up it's just you know this is the beauty of the filmmaking industry is that there's so many different types of stories being told, mm. so many different types of you know filmmaking techniques out there. And if we belittle just one and we say that, well, that's not real cinema, then I don't know. It feels like anyone can point a finger at anything, and and somebody who's really doing something special in the in the industry is at risk of being less than. And I feel like, especially with um the Academy Award season coming around right now, we're we're having that conversation all the time. We need to be on equal playing field, all being open to different types of stories, different types of performances, techniques, you name it. And by saying one specific thing, especially one thing that's taking up such an immense amount of the market right now, isn't real cinema. 
Ah, it doesn't feel right. I think that's where it's born from is this idea of these are what are they what's that uh, poem you know uh, rage into the dying light don't not go yeah. easy into the dying light it's this kind of thing like him and Spielberg are leading the way with these kinds of protests and you know they get their words carry weight clearly it's been you know covered by us covered by numerous outlets and cause a lot of battles on Twitter I personally don't care like I'm like cool say what you want to say you've got you've earned your right to speak about whatever you want to speak about because you're a master filmmaker and because you have decades to back up and you're still making incredible films as Perry uh, reviewed the Irishman she was very positive about it so he's still doing his thing but he's also from a different time. He has a different point of view of what he considers cinema. And don't forget, this is a guy who cleans up old films, finds old films, brings them back into the light, gives a lot of love through the AFI to these films. So he has a, even more of a personal interest in making sure cinema survives. I think he's speaking about fear, from a place of fear, which is losing these other films, which a lot of people have been talking about, too, that these superhero films are drowning out these other smaller independent, or as, as you said earlier, pair of the medium-range films. They're getting drowned out or moved into streaming services and they're not getting the full cinematic treatment it's what he fears and i think that's where he's coming from now that being said i also think if you said i watched one movie couldn't even get through 20 minutes and and think you can speak about the entire genre then i think you're wrong here and your words don't carry as much weight it'd be different if he had seen all of these superhero movies and was like oh I, they're just not for me they're terrible because of this 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 but all he's pointing to is a few minutes of experience i would be curious to hear what he's thought his thoughts are about joker I would love to hear Scorsese's thoughts about Joker. Go see it, see what he thinks about it, and talk about it. But that being said, I think the comments are the comments. It's not a big deal. It doesn't hurt me as an old man raging. And remember, he and Spielberg and all those guys were the young bucks who were being stepped on by the older generation when they come up, came up in the late 60s and early 70s. Hitchcock himself famously said he wouldn't go see a Spielberg film or something like that. So those those kinds of the things where like it's just cyclical, generational. Trust me, James Gunn, all those guys are going to have something to say in 30 or 40 years when the new generation pops up. It's yeah. just the way it goes. Well, one would hope one would hope they don't. We it's hope. Like, <laughs> right. But like I, I know you, getting that, and easy, you know, as an example, I know that 90s nostalgia is very very important to me and it might not have the same impact on other moviegoers who either are much older or much younger than I am right. but the point is I think in these particular comments we're confusing taste with the definition of cinema and whether or not a specific kind of movie is is valid in that sense but and he, I think we need to separate the two and it's also about keeping an open mind just understanding that everybody out there has different tastes even though I say like freak yes for 90s nostalgia mm. movies like give me more you know Sandlot I just saw Heavyweights is going to be on Disney Plus I'm always nice. rooting for that kind of stuff <laughs> but even if someone doesn't like it yeah. I sit and I listen and I understand it doesn't mean something has to be cut off from being called cinema or mm. not well also, I mean, I think that the audience has to be factored into this as well. Sure. It's not like these studios are putting out these $200 million superhero movies and then pushing everything out and then mm -hmm. nobody's seeing them and that they're putting all their research towards that. There is an incredible demand for these kind of yeah. stories. And I don't know how you can argue against demand. Like, people want to see these films, so they're making the films for people to mm -hmm. see. I don't, I don't see the disconnect there. And I mean, yes, there, I mean, if you were to put out, I mean, and also the reality, I mean, if you just deal with the reality of the business, mm -hmm. which is that if you have a smaller movie, people aren't necessarily going to see it as much, but if you can get the same exposure via a streaming mm -hmm. service, I think that's a great thing. And like, I'm, I mean, the theatrical experience is special. There yeah. is no ever denying that, but it is also a business that is constantly evolving. Mm -hmm. And we have moved into such interesting new places and new arenas. 
that it is going to take a, an adjustment period. I also, so, think his, yeah. I also think his point about theme park thing is a valid thing as well. How many of us go to regular – that we don't go to screens. We go to a regular movie theater and it's loud and people are on their phones and people are opening candy at sure. the most emotional moments or kids are crying who shouldn't be in R-rated films. This is what he's talking about. It's become a mass cons- – that has no respect anymore like theme parks are. And sure. that's – so the, we're blessed to have like the Arclight, which is a little more stringent about that kind of stuff, or occasionally the Grove or the Americana. But there are other places you can go and you go to these theaters and you're like, what the hell? And well, so I don't I think know that's if that's something that's, that's ever theme changed. Park. I mean, back, oh, I when, I, back when I was a teeny tiny child, we were still opening up, you know, boxes of raisinets at all the wrong moments. <laughs> Wait, well, I, I think... I think when he, okay. I think when he says theme park, it's a little more tied to the nature of what you know, like a Marvel Cinematic Universe is, which I've described many of them as rides before because mm. they they are thrilling. They take you to new worlds. There's certain action sequences in those movies, and also many other movies for that matter. That you know, you know that feeling when you're like holding your hand rests on the seat too tight and you don't realize it until after the mm. action sequence is over. So I actually think that the theme park thing, regardless. Of how he meant it, mm. I don't think that's a negative descriptor for a movie, especially sure. one of these kinds of movies. But at the same, like part of what it makes me think about though is that like there's obviously, there's been a lot of talk about like virtual reality in recent years and mm. like how they can be applied in a cinematic language. And what different the difference between virtual reality and cinema is essentially specific choices and the decision of what you're mm. supposed to be looking at. And like with an amusement park ride, when you're on a roller coaster, you're totally in the you're totally in the moment. You're experiencing this. You're going through this all. But cinema is so specific, and every single shot is chosen for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. It's chosen yeah. to say something very real, and it doesn't matter what the movie is in general. Every single movie is made with that basic idea. And so to empty out the idea, and as Scorsese is trying to do, that it's not cinema is just. It's not accurate. It's not real. It's not fair. And the irony, he's using de-aging technology, which has been used in superhero movies and franchise movies in these theme park movies, is interesting as well as using it in The Irishman. All right. Well, hopefully this is the last time we talk about this. (laughs) More comments, please. Uh, We do want to save some time right now for your live chat questions. So if you haven't already sent one in, we're still taking them. So send them in right now. Let us get to this Steve Calderon question. He's asking, after the disappointing opening of Gemini Man, should Paramount be concerned for Terminator Dark Fate? Yes. But not for the reasons you think, because of Gemini Man. It's more that everyone is cautiously optimistic <laughs> that this is going to work because we can burn so many times. And yes, I know people can defend Rise of the Machines or or uh, uh, the other one, Salvation, not necessarily Genesis. So there are defenders for those two films. But overall, we've been burned so much. And Schwarzenegger's back again. By the way, I'd love to write a column about how we do, never need to see Schwarzenegger in a Terminator film again. So we'll Ooh. see. Uh, we'll see if that... Uh, ends up if it gets good reviews and it's positive people go in droves because they want to love this franchise again but I think everyone's just kind of waiting I am going to use the latest Halloween as an example and I know it's Mm. a slightly different scenario considering how recent Genesis and also Salvation are but I really do think that the retcon thing is going to make a very, very big difference for this movie. I think it's going to leave people more open-minded than they might have been. And also, not just Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it's a big deal that Linda Hamilton is coming back. And I think that's creating even more urgency than maybe we saw with previous installments. And I also think that uh, having Tim Miller at the helm could make people more enticed to check this one out after the success of Deadpool. So I am kind of hopeful right now. And... 
I think that the earlier projections we saw had it maybe coming close to 40 million. I'm sure it cost a lot more than that to actually make this film, but I'm just wondering if it could do fairly well domestically and then at the international box office make a nice chunk there too. So I don't know. I'm, I'm holding tight to my faith in this movie. Well, you, I mean, you mentioned uh, Halloween, which that's not, it's not only the stars, but I mean, the fact that uh, John Carpenter came back mm-hmm. for that kind of shepherd right. and you have James Cameron coming back for yep. this uh, I think I, I, I agree with you in the sense that like I don't think Gemini Man and Terminator have too much correlation yeah. if not just because of also going back to what we were just talking about about the importance of brands and like that significance so I think Terminator it's not going to be so much about it's like ha- what the box what, what audiences are looking for in terms mm-hmm. of like sci-fi action and that kind of stuff but more so like are people excited for a new yeah. Terminator yeah. movie alright let's get this uh, I already said I don't want to talk about it anymore but we're gonna because z jones uh cb is asking what film would the panel recommend to scorsese to prove comic slash superhero films are cinema i would choose the dark knight i would would choose honestly winter soldier just because i mean that Mm -hmm. is such a wonderfully crafted conspiracy thriller inspired Mm -hmm. like story not to mention just the action is just so brutal and intense and beautiful that yeah that would be it. Uh, the four I would recommend are, are uh, Winter Soldier, absolutely, because it's a political film. Uh, Logan, uh, which is a Western. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman, because that's essentially Donner's Superman. And uh, Joker. Those are the four I would say. This is the genre and the capabilities of the genre uh, if you don't want to get all caught up with uh, the costumes and, and superhero stuff. All right. I, I think I can't just recommend one. I have to say some sort of MCU movie just because he has specifically name drop Marvel. I think Winter Soldier would be a good way to yeah. go. I also think that, uh, and it's not just because it's my favorite, I would say Guardians of the Galaxy be because of choice, how yeah. many different boxes yeah. it ticks and how it shows the possibilities and the potential when you really throw mm-hmm. a whole lot of creative juices into something like this. It would definitely put Logan on the list. Yeah. And then I would probably also throw in something like Shazam. I mean, just show the range show of the this range. genre mm, yeah. and show and show the heart of it too. I mean, I feel like I feel like if Martin Scorsese saw a superhero movie that tugged at his heartstrings the way that some of these have with me, I don't know. When something moves his you to that extent, three you, sizes this day? You, yeah, <laughs> I mean a little bit. Yeah, you can't deny it when something moves you quite like that. Sure, I agree. All right, let us get. This J. Scott for real question. Which iconic performances might be improved by swapping out the lead with a young or older version of themselves? Oh, that's complicated. That's a tricky one. Yeah. <laughs> what iconic performances? So I guess, I guess like, a, I think he's trying to get at a movie that has an epic quality that maybe shows a character at different stages of their life played by different actors. Sure. Hmm. I know this well, is this is toughie. like a this is a, a real thinker there. Huh. It's tough because like I, immediately my mind went to Gandhi and an older Ben Kingsley playing an older Gandhi, but he did play the older Gandhi in the movie and it was incredible considering he was only 24 or 26 years old when he did the film. Same thing with Orson Welles and Citizen Kane playing mm-hmm. the older Kane. It's incredible. He's 24 years old. So believable. So I would love to see an older Orson Welles or an older Ben Kingsley tackle these roles. I would that's the Easiest way I would go there. You mean you just brought my brain to Robert Downey Jr. at the end of Chaplin, though, which was oh, not. Yeah. yeah, good point. <laughs> that so was much. not so good. Yeah, so uh, I mean, maybe I guess that might be my choice. <laughs> That's a tricky question, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, want another one? Sure. Um, sorry, Dorian's dropping notes in the chat that I don't understand, so I'm not going to touch that one. Uh, Rebecca 
Bosi. I'm sorry if I pronounce your name wrong. Mm. What's a movie that got bad reviews that you love? Oh, nice. It's a tough one. That's, I've got one. Yeah, hit it. It comes yes. right right to the top of my mind right now because we were kind of talking a little bit about this before we even uh, started the show. Um, I'm going to go Pet Cemetery because... The most recent one? Yeah. Okay. I, I really loved that movie. We were talking a little bit about yeah. uh, festival hype and, you know, admittedly, it could be out there. I walked out of that movie at South by Southwest absolutely loving what they did with that adaptation. And even though I was not going to let anybody tell me that my opinion was wrong, I did go out of my way to see it a couple more times after. Yeah. and. I still love that movie. It is a, a nasty, nasty, dark movie with exceptional performances. I think it's a great adaptation that changes the source material in ways that serve that movie well. So my vote is for that. Why are you like, you have an evil <laughs> do you grin on it. I don't, I don't like it. I don't know what the line is to walk between guilty pleasure and a movie you love that, that sure. got bad reviews. Because, I mean, fair. I would well. throw in all the Transformers movies that I actually <laughs> enjoy watching. Watched like 30 minutes and one again randomly this weekend on FX. But I, I, for me, I would probably throw in, and I hate saying this, but I absolutely laugh my ass off at A Million Ways to Die in the West. I don't know what it is about that film that just makes me laugh. I love them. I know the, every word to the mustache song. I, I just have something about that film. And maybe because I'm a massive fan of Westerns, it has a piece of my interest already. But it just, it's just something about it that makes me laugh. The whole, and Charlize Theron is great. And Liam Neeson in this thing is crazy. And it got terrible reviews. But I still thoroughly enjoyed it. I am completely blanking. So, <laughs> like, I literally, I'm just kind of searching my entire brain. But this is, yeah, that's like, it, it's so broad of a subject that, like, yeah, I'm just completely ruining this. Wait, oh, now I want to look at, like, my whole my whole best of list to see yeah. if anything got completely trashed here. And Independence Day Resurgence, that's another one. No! <laughs> you purposely bring that up to piss me off, don't you? You're, you're driving me nuts for a surprise, surprise. All right. Here is a question from Mr. Robots who's saying, what do directors like about the high frame rate or what is the advantage of the new technology? Uh, I'll take it. I mean, I, I certainly think part of it is, uh, I mean, did you guys both see it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think 3D is certainly a huge part of it. Yeah. Uh, just be, And this is something that James Cameron, I think, has been kind of talking about, which is that uh, the whole idea of 3D is... I mean, well, not the whole idea because there's also the stuff that flies out at you, but to create this immersive experience. And when you are using a higher frame rate and things look sharper, they look cleaner, it is it creates more of that kind of window effect. And I actually think that's something that Gemini Man ex- did really well, it did exceptionally well with, yeah. which is just like creating that window and making me feel like I was actually looking into the window of this world. There, there were some moments where I thought it worked really well and then somewhere it didn't. I think one of the things that bothers me most with 3D in general is when there's something in like the corner of the frame. Mm-hmm. You know how that visual kind of throws you yeah, off? Throws and, off yeah. yeah, maybe gives you that, that queasy feeling. I think with the, with the high frame rate, what works best for me in every movie I've seen done using that technique is the landscape shots. I think that's when it looks mm-hmm. the most beautiful. Mm-hmm. Otherwise... I actually think it has like a cheapening effect where, you know, in particular, I keep thinking about this one early sequence in Gemini Men where it's like close quarters, hand to hand combat. And I don't think it's just because of the high frame rate. I also think it's the way that uh, these shots were framed and how the action was in the wide. It almost has like a little bit of like a soap opera kind of like hissy fit kind of feel. And it it doesn't play well. I don't feel that intensity. So I think there there's some some pros and some cons to this this technique. 
make. Yeah. I think people just like tech, directors. There's certain directors, just like certain human beings, who just have a proclivity proclivity for liking the highest end technology stuff, right? Lucas was doing this way back in the 80s and 90s, like going to make sure the theaters could show his films the way he wanted them to be shown. Those kinds of things. Nolan still goes to the ArcLight and watches it. My friend is a manager there. She says he comes and watches his films there before he approves them being mm. shown there. So the directors are very aware of the higher end technology and how they want their films to look. That's the interest, I think. Yes, and I agree with you. It's still an uneven type of thing, and I get the cheapening thing absolutely, Perry, but I also think that the whole sequence in the convenience store, the, the, the oh. 50 Cal was incredible. Yeah. And if you could show action sequences like that, and McQueenie and I, Drew McQueenie and I were speaking about it afterwards, he said that I think it's the same people that are going to be doing the Avatar stuff. I think it's Cameron's company. So that underwater stuff you saw in the movie, yeah, exactly that's that. just a sample of what you're going to see in these next Avatar films in terms of that high frame rate and that kind of technology come together. And that that's exciting for me as a man who loves that stuff. I will I, say yeah. that the, the slow-mo stuff yeah. looks beautiful yeah. in I, high frame rate. I, I, mean, it's just, I mean, I was going to just highlight that underwater yeah. stuff because, like, I mean, especially because James Cameron has, I mean, he's underwater obsessed, but yes. like he has talked about how Avatar 2 would do a lot of under, uh, underwater photography. And I will say those were the best shots in Gemini Man, yeah. the stuff that was underwater. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All right, let's get one more question in. It's a big one. I have a list here that will hopefully load so I can help you guys out with it. <laughs> um, the Big Enchilada is asking, what's your most anticipated upcoming movie in uh, 2020 as far as DC and Marvel movies 20, go? Oh, oh. So obviously the first thing that came to my mind was Birds of Prey. It's just, I think it's adding another layer to the DC film franchise. I want to see what Kathy Ann can do behind mm. a major production like this. I think that ensemble is phenomenal. And I loved that first trailer. And yes, I think every trailer needs more Mary Elizabeth Winstead. But I do think it was <laughs> very everybody. smart of them yes. to focus on Margot Robbie for the first trailer. Focus on Margot Robbie, what she's going through, and what it means for the full feature overall. And then the next time around, start to introduce the group so i am gonna say birds of prey just to give you guys a little time sure. to think well i mean i'll jump in there with wonder woman 1984 mm-hmm. uh just because the first movie really is fantastic i, I mean the third act is a little shaky mm. but uh i mean patty jenkins proved that she has a great uh, eye for this kind of stuff and gal gadot is absolutely wonderful uh the new setting is really cool i'm excited to see what cheetah looks like uh i, I think there's just a lot to be excited for and mm-hmm. it's, it's weird that, that i feel like we've been waiting for this movie for a really long time too uh because yeah i guess we were supposed to be seeing it now yeah like, speaking of which now. i dare one of you to say new mutants right now i no. dare you does that even get <laughs> assuming that's a 2020 movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> remember when we did like the uh the fantasy football drafting thing yeah. for upcoming oh, movies yeah, right, right. i think i drafted new mutants two years ago now <laughs> bad pick um, seriously what, what do we have Marvel coming out of uh, Black Widow, Black Widow we have Eternals yeah that's it Eternals is the one I'm looking forward to because I think Eternals has the highest bar uh, and the thinnest uh, high wire to cross, to walk. Okay. I think so. Birds of Prey comes in with Harley Quinn already been, already the standout of Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman 1984 already has its thing. Uh, but with, I just think it, it turned, it's all new characters. It's all interesting. They're really dialing into the cosmic aspect of it all. Will it really work? So to me, I'm, I'm looking forward to see if they can if they can get that. And that'll make me excited for New Gods as well, So mm-hmm. which is, of course, DC. So I'm, I'm excited for that more than anything else. Or and I like the class. Yeah. 
Hmm? Four female directors. Right, 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 right. right. That sounds bad. Cool. All right. No better way to end this show than on that note. Roka, Eric, thank you guys so much for coming in today. You, Bright and early finger. Monday morning. Adam in the booth, Dorian in the live chat. As always, thank you guys so much for your help. And a huge thanks to everybody out there watching this show. But you know what would get you an extra thanks? Liking and sharing this episode of Movie Talk and then making your way from here on over to Collider Live. They go live at 10 a.m. Pacific and then we're back tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. PT for a brand new episode of Movie Talk. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.